Welcome to Preparing for the Return of Interscholastic Athletics and Afterschool Activities Summit. I'm Lou Marciani, the Director of the Innovation Institute for Fan Experience. Our next session is building trust and confidence with the community, the administration, staff, and students. As you can see, we have an outstanding uh, sta uh, staff, I should say panel. Over to my left here, uh, Larry Johnson, Assistant Superintendent of Schools and Executive Director of Public Safety for Grand Rapids Public Schools. Welcome, uh, Larry. Uh, Dr. James you. Hanna, Superintendent of Rossville uh, Consolidated School District in Lafayette, Indiana. Dr. Hanna. Hello, Lou. Dr. Keisha Rolls, Athletic Director at Rockdale uh, County Public Schools in Georgia. Uh, Keisha, how are you? Hey, hi, Lou. And Dr. Jeffrey Sullivan, Director of System-Wide Athletics for Montgomery County Public Schools in Montgomery, Maryland. Jeff? Good afternoon. Well, all welcome. You know, we've been, uh, we've had an exciting day today with the, with the uh, summit. Uh, we've learned a lot. We, we, there's a lot of great plans out there moving from crisis to really a new start. We, we use the word a lot today, new start, new beginning, new landscape, a lot of good terms of what uh, is going to take place. It, it, it's going to come down to one thing uh, in your roles is, is trust and confidence. And without trust and confidence, I don't believe we're going to be able to do what we want to do. And trust and confidence and particularly the community, uh, the school board, uh, you know, we got to worry about our administrators, our coaches, our student athletes. So we have a lot on, on the line here to uh, do that. And, and that's uh, what we're going to try to talk about today. But I think first, let's do this. Let's go, I'll go around and talk about so people get an understanding of where and what you have to you've done for a year and a half. What's some of the issues that you face? And we'll we'll do that first, and then we'll come back and talk about how each of you are planning to assure at least an opportunity to have that confidence and trust built into the system. And then we'll open it up for Q and A and a few things. And before you know it, our session will be over with. So, Keisha, I'll start with you. Uh, what kind of year and a half have you had? It was a challenge, and I, I would be remiss if I said that it was easy because it was not. My role was unique in that I am both the director of athletics and I'm the head athletic trainer. So we created advisory groups. And so those advisory groups were for our athletics, for our school safety, for our fine arts, clubs and organizations, and then the general return. So the biggest takeaway that we had from our implementation was our effectiveness of our system-wide comprehensive safety plans were critical to our return to learn because our athletic plan was the first one to be implemented. Our athletes were the first ones to return to campus. So we were able to identify certain protocols that we had initiated, like the pen and paper symptom checklist. We realized after two days that that wasn't gonna be an efficient way to monitor that. So we went to a QR code and that way the athletes would scan with their telephones, still answer the symptom score question. We'd scan their temperatures, they input that information. And we were able to download that in an Excel sheet if we had to contact Trace. So those were just some of what we decided to do at that point. And then serving in the athletic training role, 
I was on the front line. So I was at practice, monitoring practice on a daily basis. So I was then able to communicate with our district leaders, our board members, our community stakeholders, that our coaches and our teams were implementing our safety plans with fidelity. Very, very good. Jim, what, uh, what, what happened for you for a year and a half as superintendent? It's, it's kind of been a transition uh, where last spring, in the spring of 2020, things pretty much shut down. Uh, we were we were on a roll as far as basketball went, and that really crushed kids as far as not being able to go on and compete. No spring sports season. Pretty much we were done. Uh, actually, we adjusted our schedule uh, so that uh, we were out earlier. We, so it was a very long summer. Uh, and that also affected summer athletics and summer conditioning and those type of things that normally went on. The start of the school year, we came back. Uh, we've been in session face to face since day one and taking those precautions uh, such as mask and, and social distancing throughout the, the first semester and the second. Uh, first semester was a, a challenge uh, in that uh, ran into more contact tracing than anything else issues. And, and with contact tracing, it was, a, it was a learning curve of, you've gotta be smart people and how you <laughs> deal with others and, and, and how you're around each other. So that was a learning, uh, learning curve. And then we learned as the year went on, we took precautions as far as scanning students and athletes and students every day, having them self-check, those that were having symptoms uh, the nurse would scan. And then we also had, I guess, I won't say a disconnect, but we had the nurse during the day and we had the athletic trainer in after school. So that's two different groups that we're dealing with. So they had to come to consensus. How are we going to deal with the student athlete and the student during the day? Uh, and actually come about December uh, and or January after getting hit in February and being out or not in February and November and being out for several days, really transitioned after the first year and the, and the second semester went fairly smooth. And, but that was a lot of work on our athletic director where another school might be quarantined or contact trace. So we would scramble for a ball game. Uh, my son played, I'm, I may not know on Thursday night where we're playing on Friday, just because we would adjust, okay, we're going there today. And we played some people we haven't played before, but is able to get student athletes out on the floor or on the court, on the mat to be able to do their, what they were trained to do. Yeah. Tough year, especially basketball, huh? Especially right. in basketball. No question. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Larry, uh, what's your story for this last year and a half? Well, it's been a, it's been a, it's been an interesting year to say the least. And it's ironic that, uh, that when word came down that we we're going to shut down, I was standing in the stadium. And when, when we decided to open back up, I was standing in the stadium. Uh, and so we got the, uh, we got word on March 16th and uh, we were one day away from district basketball finals. And uh, as we were standing in the stands, we heard that the NBA had shut down and, and some of uh, the colleges were shutting down. And, and I kind of turned over to our athletic director and said, this is not looking good. I don't think we're playing tomorrow night. And so it was, it was difficult for our students who were on a good run and uh, had made it to the district finals to be told uh, that it's not going to happen. And we, we're not sure when it's going to happen, but it was pretty obvious within a couple of weeks here in Michigan that, uh, that we were done with spring sports, we're done with basketball, and that they were not going to uh, hit the track or touch the court again. And so we're turning on a dime here and setting up task force as, uh, 
as uh, Dr. Roland said, they're setting up uh, advisory groups. We begin to set up task force uh, to begin to monitor track. And, and we just had some just significant increases here in Michigan uh, in, in the, um, with this. And we, and we just couldn't go back uh, to doing anything. So we find ourselves doing other things other than uh, worried about athletics. I think at that point, it became very, uh, very obvious to us that that was the least of our worries. And our worries was to take care of our kids and, and make sure they were all right. They were very disappointed. We tried to crank back up uh, for fall sports with football, and uh, it just didn't happen. We got a couple games in, and then we shut down again. And then we came up with a strategy statewide to uh, get to the high school playoffs. And we were able to squeak through the high school playoffs, uh, a very, very limited season, really, really unsafe and unfair to the kids to put them out there with not a lot of, lot of practice behind them. And then we went on a complete shutdown here in Michigan, and uh, we were shut down and did not come back up until spring break in a hybrid, a hybrid mode. And so we're back. Uh, we, we, we played basketball this year. We were back in the basketball this year. But again, we got into uh, a situation where we had to cancel games because we were worried that if we played a team uh, where they've had some kids that tested positive, uh, they were going to they would shut our teams down, too. So we had to be very selective and talking to teams every day uh, leading up to a game, whether or not we we're going to play uh, play those games. So we wanted to get our kids through the uh, a, a season. It was very difficult for us, and unfortunately, uh, fortunately for us, uh, no graduations, no proms, none of those events that we normally have for our kids as it relates to student activities. And we finally got uh, made a decision this year to have graduations because we didn't do graduations last year. And standing in the stadiums, we uh, uh, we were we were limited to only two tickets per family. And uh, as we were standing in the stadium, we got word that we we're opening up in Michigan. And so, so standing in the stadium when it started, standing in the stadium when it ended. And so we, we still got some challenges here, but it was a, it was a lot of work here in Michigan. Yeah. Michigan was tough, a tough yeah. governor. And uh, yeah. she uh, put her finger down on you, but that's good, good comments there, Larry. And we have another different situation with uh, Dr. Sullivan here. What a year, huh? Well, yes, it was. And everyone has their stories of where they were when this started. Yeah. And in addition to my role with Montgomery County, I'm also the tournament director for our state basketball tournament. And the weeks leading up to last year's tournament, we were planning several contingencies. Who would have known at that time that we would have spent the next year and a half with plan A through Z and 25 of those we're not using and we use maybe we use one. Uh, I think we can all relate to that. But I literally got the call from our uh, the executive director of our state association as I was walking into the Xfinity Center at the University of Maryland, that the tournament was shut down. And we had the first two teams playing in the first state semifinal. We had to tell those buses to turn around. And uh, like we all are, we're champions for our students. We kept planning. We kept thinking, maybe we can get this in in April or May. Would there be a way? And uh, we look back now and we're like, well, that wasn't going to happen. But, you know, every step of the way, we have done everything we could for our student athletes. And I think that's a lot of that is about being prepared. And in our county, we went entirely virtual during the first semester. Uh, so we did not have on that day on March 12th, when I got that call, we did not have a coach in front of a student athlete until late February this year. So wow. we were entirely virtual. And that, that caused us to really rely on the, the distributed leadership across our, our district to plan and run fall, winter, and spring sports virtually during the first semester and completely reimagine that delivery. 
and also planning for the return of in-person, which could occur at any point. But as my colleagues on the panel have already mentioned, we were prepared. So as soon as the window cracked open, athletics jumped through. And like Keisha mentioned, we led the return to school. And I think it really speaks volumes to what we do in education-based athletics in our space of trying to support the overall mission of the school district uh, in every way. And I think here we are in a global pandemic doing that. And that was something that I know the athletics program here across everyone was very proud to do that. And uh, this Saturday, we'll wrap up uh, state competition uh, with our state track meet and state finals and baseball and softball. And uh, I will tell you, Saturday night, I will kick my feet up uh, and, and enjoy that we got there. And, and again, the momentum that's been building here over the last several months is going to carry us into that return to normal, that return to typical operations uh, in, during the summer with conditioning and other out-of-season activities and then the start of fall sports. So I think um, we're very excited about that momentum and, and glad that we got there uh, here this spring. Well, well, why don't we start with you then? Because, I mean, you, you got some momentum going here. Uh, <laughs> when when we talk about next year, right, you're going to – Saturday you're going to finish up, and, you know, now we're really getting serious about the fall. Why do you think that the uh, administration, the community is going to be – have confidence in you – and not just you, but you, the coaches, everybody else. Well, what's causing that? What, what, what would you need to do? I think we want to, one of the things that I've learned, I think a lot of us as leaders, you know, we've, I've heard the, the term start with why. And, and that was something we've always tried to as leaders, start with why we do something, then how, then what, and who is kind of infused in all of that. But one of the things that we've learned here is we start with who and start with people. And I think that's connections as we head back into bringing people together. That is our theme for next year is connections, reconnecting. And I think what's really proved us successful through the virtual and then the return to the in-person and into the next year is starting with who and respecting each individual person and how they have a story around COVID um, and, and different, different and differences. Some people feel more comfortable with masks. Others think masks should have been, should have gone away back in January. We have, or not at all. Right. There is such a spectrum of how this pandemic has touched people. And I think for us, as we continue into next year, starting with who and the connections and focusing on the individual stories of people and uh, in athletics. And our program is here. It's safe to participate. We have had as we sit here today and I caution with three days left. We don't have one confirmed case transmitted through participation in, in athletics. And I think a lot have heard that mentioned in other districts as well about the protocols that have been in place that have been constructed through a collaborative process. Our program, we have those things in place and we'll be following the health experts. We are here when you're ready to come back. And I think that's been very helpful for us. And the, you can feel the energy building. It's been building all spring and now people are excited here into the fall. So this uh, collaboration is your entry into trust and confidence. Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, very well said, uh, Jeff, as usual. Uh, Dr. Walls, what's uh, what's your plans? The same. It, it's still with those advisory groups. And with those advisory groups, we're looking at all aspects of student engagement. We're looking at before, during, and after school. When we can tell them that we have addressed those concerns of before they even enter the building, what are those cleaning regimens that the 
custodial staffs are doing that night before. So that's before they enter. While they're there, what are those safety measures that are going to be in place for the general student population? And then that after school time, what are those measures that are in place for those after school? And I think one of the one of the other um, messages to put out to your community is just like Dr. Sullivan said, be okay, or especially in um, not um, be okay with being conservative. So your local situation may warrant you having more stringent measures in place than a neighboring district from you, but be able to communicate that because at the end of the day, we're talking about our student athletes, our staff members, and our support personnel. So if what we need to do is best for our program to make sure that their health, safety, and well-being are that priority, then I think if we communicate that this is, again, the why we're doing it, our local numbers say this. Although the state numbers may differ, our local numbers support our decision to not return or our decision to still not allow fans to come to our arenas. But we'll make those adjustments. But you have to communicate that why and be okay with if you're not following suit and doing what others around you are doing. So your entry into trust and confidence is communications. Yes. Okay. Another aspect of how we're doing this. Uh, That's terrific. Uh, Larry, how are we going to do it? Well, again, everyone starting with the, with the actual question why, and that, that's no different here in Grand Rapids. Uh, we, we needed to rebuild trust and, and haven't, haven't been out for so long. Uh, our community is asking a lot of questions and ensuring that, uh, that we're following through on what we said we're going to do. So communication is becoming very important in our community, not only just following the science, but making decisions what is in the best interest of Grand Rapids public schools. So we looked at it from four, from four prongs here, making sure that we had physical trust. Uh, emotional trust, uh, our digital trust, and then our financial trust, making sure we have the resources uh, and the uh, to continue to do programs and get equipment uh, that would keep our kids safe, uh, making sure that our social emotional needs of our students have been met, uh, as well as as we provide one-to-one uh, uh, opportunities for our kids, making sure that digital trust is there and that we're going to uh, be able to continue to provide uh, to our students and communities uh, the resources necessary to keep them engaged in, in academics. And of, and of course, that, that physical aspect of that uh, as well. But our, our, number, you know, our number one business here is the, the education of students. And so we have to make sure that we uh, build the trust of our families, um, no matter where they are, where they come from, we have to build that, uh, those relationships with, those, with our students and, our, and the students' parents. When you've been away from students and not in front of students for 18, 19 months, uh, some of that, uh, some of that trust has gone away, uh, and then some of the mistakes because we've all made mistakes yeah. and made decisions that impacted us through this. Because this was this was learning for everyone. Uh, every time you made a mistake, you know you go two steps, uh, one step forward and two steps backwards, and and so that that hampered our efforts here in Grand Rapids. The the biggest thing around trust for us here is we're in a we're in a, a county with 21 different school districts. We were the only district that were out and that were virtual. Everyone else was in. So that made it very difficult to establish trust because we continue to hear the questions, why? Why are you still out and other communities are in? And, and so we had, to, we had to bring that messaging uh, to our families. We lost students. We have students that transferred uh, to the districts that we're in. And so how do we rebuild that trust 
uh, to regain those families uh, to come back to our schools for next year. So this is going to be a, a whole summer learning for us, as well as continue to communicate with our families uh, as we did uh, in the last 19 months. So your your key has been parents. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, parents and our board, uh, parents yeah. and our board. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes the uh, the board of education, that school board, uh, they're the driving force behind a lot of this. And if they can get their constituents uh, uh, to follow them, uh, that hope it helps close the gap a little a little faster. Uh, the, we people are distrusting of school administrators, for whatever reason. I mean, I don't think that's unique to Grand Rapids. I think that's across <laughs> the country. And wow. so we got, you know, so we have to we have to buy our credibility and continue to deposit into that into that credibility bank with our communities and with our families. Okay. All right, Dr. Hannah, I got two questions to start off with. One is, what do you expect of us as athletic administrators or SROs or law enforcement that you're looking for to tell you how we're building this trust? And the second question is, as a superintendent, how do you go about getting the trust above us? So you're the key, you're the superintendent, you're our key. We're only as good as you. We're only as good as you. No, I mean it's truthful. We're only as good as the man, a woman above us, and 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 it's true. So we go to the superintendent. I think some of the things have already been mentioned, and that was communication. I think our athletic department has done a really good job as far as getting the word out and allowing parents to understand these are the parameters we're operating under, whether it be uh, directives from the state and working through those directives uh, because we were, there's four different districts in, in our county and they're four different districts. They're not the same. Uh, where we were back face-to-face in August, we had others that were hybrid. Uh, we had others that were, uh, did different things at different times through the year. So I think that communication is one of the keys. And, and from an athletic standpoint, I think it's giving updates and saying, these are the requirements. If we're going to go visit a school for a contest, this is a regulation they're operating under. And we've had a time where uh, they allowed one administrator to go to that basketball game. Uh, and it was uh, the other thing that probably changed things was, was the technology that's out there as far as broadcast. So that kind of helped a little bit, but I think it's helpful when you go out and you're visiting these other schools and you're following their rules, that school follows the same parameters. So in other words, they shouldn't have crowds. They shouldn't have cheerleaders. They shouldn't have, if you're not, if you're limiting that to your visiting school, the same thing should happen because I think that would build trust also with your neighbors and your competitors. So I think the communication uh, is a huge key uh, and for us following the plan. I mean, I think that everybody had to develop a plan. Uh, That plan was posted, that's out there and basically communicating that if a uh, student is contact trace, they go back to that, we get the word out and try to limit, uh, be very accurate in who is actually being affected. We don't want students out, whether it be athletics or classroom, any more than mom and dad want them at home. I know as a parent, my wife had it and we were contact trace for a while and um, not a lot got done because my, my students don't, my children don't operate very well in that environment. And, and to understand that and be able to communicate that to parents and say, we understand, we wanna work with you to get your child back on board. 
I think some of the things that Larry talked about as far as losing some students, I don't know that we lost any. I know we, well, yeah, we did, but it was to homeschool. It wasn't to a different district. So those those are concerns from my standpoint of how do we get those kids back, back in the same classroom setting or athletic setting that we used to have. Yeah, okay. Very good. There's going to be uh, several people online here that appreciate what all of you said, but they're struggling with this trust and confidence. Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe it's the external communications from CDC or the, the, the neighboring um, community has sports. So they're struggling on this call here on this webinar. So if you're, if you're struggling, I guess my question and, and we can go around is I'm struggling. What step can I do right now to, to, to re-engineer this, this, this trust factor I'm hurting falls two months away. And I've done it. It's not my fault. Right? Let's say I'm an athletic. It's not my fault, but it's all around me. What do I do? So maybe Keisha, I'll start with you. I'm struggling here. I, I, I have, there's no confidence in my community. They're upset about uh, from mass to whatever school boards mad about other things and curriculums. I might have a mess on my hands. All right. And I'm just part of this community. And you know, I'm talking about there's a lot going on in this country right now with school Mm -hmm. curriculums, athletics issues from whatever. So now I don't have this confidence and I'm in the middle of this. I'm the athletic director. It's communication, like we've said, but it's openly and honestly. Like it's something that you do not know because we're all navigating in the unknown. If it's something that you don't know, I'm a smaller district. I have three high schools in my district and four middle schools. Some of the neighboring districts around us have 18 high schools. I'm going to contact them. I'm going to establish a network that can help me. No, I may not follow tit for tat what exactly they're doing, but in those larger districts, they may have already identified some challenges that me in a smaller district had even thought about. So networking, establishing a network, them being on this call today is a first step in them establishing that network to be able to implement, to be able to get that trust back, to be able to communicate that, yes, last year was a challenge, but we are working toward it. One thing that I've said, you know, through this whole process, it felt like we were swimming upstream and we just kept swimming, kept swimming. But like Dory said in Finding Nemo, just keep swimming. Like you can't get frustrated. You have to have the patience and you have to just keep going. Like there is light at the end of the tunnel. You may not return to that full capacity like you were back in 19. However, but if you are allowing an opportunity for those student athletes to come back, to get back to that sense of normalcy, to play in the games that they love, that's a small win. And it's just getting those small victories. You're not going to win it all and you're not going to gain everyone's trust back overnight. But if it's the small victories that you can get along the way, just hang your hat on that. Very good, good answer. Larry, you want to? Yeah. And- can you top that, Larry? I, you know, I'm not going to try to top it because she's put she's explained it so well. But I want to build yeah. off of it when she talks yeah. about being open and honest. You know, you don't get a, you don't get a second t- chance to tell the truth, and so you have to communicate openly and honestly with your parents. But I but I also want to expand and say 
we also have to get our parents to understand that we have procedures and protocols in place. We, we, we operated in a crisis when this kicked off back in March and that, and we operated in that crisis. And I would say here in Grand Rapids, at least to the end of the school year. And then I want to say that we shifted to an event, right? So we start planning for events. We have to move from the crisis, the event, and now make this part of our everyday procedures, our cleaning protocols, how we work with our, with our operational staff. We have to ensure that, that stadiums, rooms, classrooms are being clean, that folks are following the protocols, that everyone's following the protocols. And so we communicate that out to our parents. We can't say one thing in a newsletter or robocall and then, then staff the community walk on our campuses and see us doing the total opposite. We have to practice what we preach, but we have to bring that out and be open and honest with our staff members to ensure that we are we are marching to the orders that we're putting out there. That's how you're going to rebuild that confidence. And we and when something happens, don't be afraid to put out the bad news as long as you have got a way and a plan to address the bad news, because the bad is going to come with the good. And, and so we want to, again, take those wins and move ahead. Okay. Uh, Jeff, you, you want to build on that or you think we've built enough enough? <laughs> I'll tell you, it is tough. But I, I will say very quickly, building on Dr. Roll's comment, one of the great things that, that's come out of this is the connections with other leaders in the state of Maryland. And for me, state of Maryland, Virginia, D.C., and that whole area, but also nationwide and yes. creating that network, uh, especially through this type of platform where we can get to know each other and pick each other's brains. So that's been a definite positive. You know, I think the credible messengers, we have a lot of wins that we've had this year. So we have to celebrate the wins and and hear, let our community hear from our student athletes, from our coaches. So it's one thing to put out a communication and we try to do that very consistently, whether that's in writing or in a video um, or some kind of social media presence. But when we have the voices of our student athletes, of our coaches, of our athletic trainers, um, of our county health officials speaking to what we're doing and supporting that, um, I think that speaks volumes to building that trust. And as Larry mentioned, when you make a mistake or when something doesn't go well, own it and say it and say it immediately, because that ends up building your credibility too. Yes, we acknowledge this, but this is how we're dealing with that. And this is how we're going to get better. Um, and so I think that really sets the table into next year. But I, I do think because we have just been off in many ways in our protocols, we have to bring people back down to earth a little bit and remind them whether it's scheduling, whether it's transportation, whether it's uh, just all the nuts and bolts of the program, we've got to shift everyone back. And by the way, we've got to give them a break too, because it's been quite a year for everyone. And so we've got to extend grace. Uh, to our staff, and in particular, our coaches, our athletic directors who have been on the ground implementing that. And then finally, I think that trust uh, really comes from being visible. For us as athletic administrators, I have 25 high schools and 40 middle schools. I can't be at every contest, but I'm going to be a lot of them. And I'm going to be bouncing around to make sure I am. I can say I've been to every school and have seen and connected with the coaches and the student athletes. And I think that goes a long way, again, toward building that trust because you're not just creating plans and then pushing them out. You're watching, you're listening, you're observing, and you're hearing how people are feeling about that and then using that uh, to build your future communication and your protocols as well. Okay. Dr. Hannah, 
going to put you on the spot here. You're, you're riding high right now. You're, you're, uh, everybody likes you in the community. You're, you're the superintendent. We're coming back strong and they're all positive. You get a phone call tomorrow and there's a third wave and the games and sports seasons are canceled. Now, what are you going to do? You know, you're, you're riding high, but now it's all of a sudden you're the bad person. Here we go. How are you going to answer this one? I Take your time. Is, Think it yeah, through. Sure. Think it through. Um, you have to understand that. And, and it's not only me. And I think we kind of talked about it before and talked about that networking. There's four other or three other schools in my County that I'm, I'm going to get up, pick up the phone. I'm going to talk to you and say, okay, Al, what are you doing there? Joel, what are you doing? And we have a new superintendent at a district uh, that's, that's South of me. Uh, so it's all new to him. He's the one that's going to go, Oh, <laughs> let's figure this out. Um, so it's, it's one of those deals where I think the networking is so valuable. And also we're going to take guidance from our local health department. If it's, it's pandemic related, uh, we're going to fall back on that. Ours has been very good to work with us in setting with those meetings and not only myself, but our athletic director would have regular conversation. Our school nurse was just overwhelmed and the, the county nurse that would work with her, uh, too, they're, they're the ones that were on front lines. And I think if we would get something else, we're going to follow the lead of the, of the state and the county health departments, and we're going to follow through and do what's best for kids. I think the one thing that here in Indiana, the governor has lifted the mask mandate as of June 30, but he's given it back to school boards. And I think it was one, I don't want to deal with it. Uh, so, but so for the most of schools, I think they'll make adjustments, but it's still a requirement on school buses. So that is a communication issue between the schools and the parents to understand, well, you still have to have a mask on a bus type deal. And so I think that that is some, some, uh, a teachable moment of why, and I would go back to why in those relationships again, who has to do it? Why do we have to do it? And I think that there again, if we get a third wave or a different variant, we're going to deal with that. And, and again, it's putting students first. Okay. Very, very good. I don't need to put you on the spot, uh, Dr. Hunt, you know, uh, you know, we're sensing uh, here at the Institute, you know, the parents roles seem to be changing on a little bit as we look at the, uh, the school environment. Maybe it has to do with uh, uh, the online education that's taking place. So maybe parents are seeing a little bit more about what their curriculums are to what their responsibilities are. So Larry, I want to throw this one at you. Parents seem to be the key here right now in this moment in time. They're, they're pretty vocal if they want to be, and they're going to push a little bit. So how, what process are you going through since you rely on the parents? What process to get their feedback? What do you, what, how do you do it so that you're on top of everything and getting there Two cents in. Well, well, now it's a, it times a lot of community meetings, uh, okay. uh, vir- virtually and getting in person. Now uh, we we've been working with our with our with our religious community, our clergy, uh, just uh, engaging them and helping them set up our learning pods. Uh, and so, so the communities be- the community has become very very important for us and and parents carrying our voice. Uh, we we have to spend time with them. We have not had the opportunity uh, to see our parents a lot. 
uh, because we're just now opening up here in Michigan. Uh, but but at the same time, we have to be very intentional with it. We've been doing our our weekly uh, Wednesdays and, and putting out our YouTube messages every week, uh, just over communicating, just over communicating uh, to our parents. What we what you know, Lou, you've heard me make a phrase uh, when it comes to safety and security that is going to be uh, the hardware, not the hardware that stops school violence. Well, in this case, it's going to be the hardware and the hardware uh, yeah. because the the cleaning materials and things of that nature. All of that combined is going to rebuild confidence, rebuild trust, and re-engage our parents. And, and the parents is going to be, has always been the key to education, and the parents is going to be absolutely uh, the pivotal point for us to get back on track in all of our communities. Very good. Okay. Hey, Jeff, uh, you know, we're going to, the heavy burden in the fall is going to be the coaches coaches right they know the students the best they they engage with they're on top of everything so what what process can you tell the audience that you're going to make sure that you know that you you have the coaches back and what what do you what do you strategies are you going to use this fall oh this summer probably yeah go ahead we're going to try and kick off more with the celebration of our coaches back to the connections piece and our theme of really celebrating the coaches for the job that they've done this year and that they will be doing. Um, I think that's very important is to acknowledge our coaches for what they do. And I think we try to do that. I know at least we do. I think that's something, but I think really taking that proactive step of starting with that versus our typical pre-season or beginning of the year trainings. Those are all important. We have to push out information, especially now. Uh, but we want to really start with focusing in on that connections piece with our coaches uh, to make that investment with them. So that's going to be a, a huge priority for us in, in heading into July and planning for the return in August is how do we celebrate our coaches and then also streamlining the information. So in addition to all of the protocols that we have in place in a typical delivery of the program, we now have anything else that may be required with from a COVID perspective not overwhelming our coaches. So really thinking about our messaging to streamline the most important, of course, it's all important, but again, for especially our new coaches, we want to be able to extend grace and let them feel supported in building that connection so that they in turn can build those connections with their student athletes. So again, I think that's a key of investing our coaches uh, to start the school year. Uh, very good, uh, Jeff. Keisha, what are, now internally we got, uh, teachers, right, and staff, what's your plans there? So with them, we made a conscious effort as a district to purchase PPE. And so that way we were providing what we were asking them to wear, what we were asking them to do. So not putting the burden on the teachers to be the ones to secure some of those cleaning, some of the masks. So when we have our students that forget a mask, we're able to provide that for them so that, that ju that's just one other. There's enough of the adjustments that our teachers have to make with their instructional model that we want to take some of that burden off and just be able to provide so they at least know that in a sense of security, if you feel like your room may not have been cleaned the night before, that you at least have some products to be able to once over the desk or spray the room to make sure that your comfort level is, is so that you can be your best version for the students. Yeah. Good. Uh, Dr. Hanna, how are you going to work with the uh, board of education? My board has been very good. I have a five member board and um, 
basically with them, it's been updating the plan and saying this yeah. is this is their plan of action. Uh, they have field probably very few phone calls over COVID. Um, and it's been, uh, it's, and I know there's different boards out there um, because I've worked with some of them, but mine has been very good at, as being uh, supportive of, of the school's mission and, and uh, basically working through the different issues that we've had had to face. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it could be, uh, it, it, it's a tough situation. Some superintendents are in and some like yours, you have a relationship that's pretty solid and trustworthy among and each other. And that's, that's what works. And that's the key, right? And yes. And, and one of the other things that Keisha reminded me of, she talked about PPE, but we worked with our staff in that if they were contact traced and they had to be out to be able to teach from home, uh, and basically do the remote connection. They were out, but their kids were here. So we were trying to make that an opportunity for them uh, to, to keep up and not lose pay or count it as a day, basically. So they, they may have been home contact trace, but they were still, quote, quote, at work. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll start with uh, uh, Dr. Rawls on this one. The audience what take give them a takeaway one or two that you feel you know that they could have to bring back to themselves or to their uh staffs uh to how to build trust and confidence what what would those takeaways be the change is constant like change is going to happen so yes i want you to trust but i'm not being untruthful if what i told you on yesterday is no longer relevant today. So that's the biggest takeaway is that I, I can't promise you that what I tell you today is still going to be the status quo tomorrow. And so it, again, it's not me being untruthful. It's just a matter that it, it's constantly changing. We are still in an unknown. We know more about COVID today than we did March 11, 12th and 13th of last year. But we still don't know everything. Like Dr. Hanna said, if that variant comes back, how are we going to respond to that variant? And are we doing the same measures that we did in March? Or do we have to up the ante a little bit to do even more protective measures? So that's the biggest take home that the change is constant. And like the others said in that communication, whatever you're using, whether it is your social media, your district blast, if it's calling posts, Whatever it is, communicate that information with those changes. If there are changes in your mask mandates, with your athletic contest, if there are changes in your seating capacity, if there are changes in your concession options or the way that they're purchasing tickets, get that information out there. So if there, there were two takeaways, those would be the two that I would advise them of. Very good. Uh, Dr. Sullivan, what's your leave behind for the audience? Dr. Rose had two. I'm going to take two. <laughs> um, my two are, uh, again, start with who? The connections. So start with the people. The second one is, is even keel. And these changes and announcements, at least in Maryland, have come very quickly. Press conference has been called in the morning. A change happens effective five o'clock. And so we have tried to stay even keel. So as things have gone and hit us and the storm passes, really keeping the ship moving forward, uh, not getting tipping one direction or another, but just really being calm. And I think that presence and that philosophy with our community has built trust. So they know that we're going to take that 
We have our task force that's going to assess the impact and we are going to strategically communicate that out instead of wondering, oh my gosh, what, how will we respond? So I think when everything else is unpredictable and certainly there will be other things that are, it's how do we respond to that change? And I think being even keel and showing that calmness throughout really builds that trust. So those would be my two takeaways. Larry? I'm going to say, you know, the continuous, uh, continuous communication, uh, yeah. just continue to communicate with, uh, with staff, with communities, but also give an opportunity for in- input. Uh, we have to uh, li- be good listeners uh, because we don't know it all either. And uh, they may see our staff, our students, our families may see something that we don't see, but we have not addressed. So take the time to listen to them. And then I'm going to add a third one in there, and that is uh, monitoring, uh, a self-care, monitoring their own uh, social emotional needs and, and self-care and, and teaching our staff or really encouraging our staff. Uh, it's okay to step away from it for a minute if it's becoming overburdened. We as educators, uh, we, we are in the business of caring for young, young folks, our kids, and it's difficult for us to step away uh, when we've been consumed by it. So we have to reteach ourselves and re-educate ourselves how we how do we take care of ourselves and 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 as I instruct my staff, if you can't if you can't help and save yourself, you're going to be no good to others. So let's 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 give an opportunity to step away and take care of ourselves when it's necessary, and not feel that we are failure because we did that, but yet we are, we are bigger success because we recognize our need for self care and we'll be better prepared to help others when we can take care of ourselves. Thank you so much, Larry, Dr. Hanna. I hate to follow everybody. Come I know. I, I just <laughs> you know what? Next time, Dr. Rawls, next time, Dr. Rawls is going to be last. What okay. do you think? We should do that. Communication, you know? I think that's a biggie. But And with when I say communication, I mean both ways. Uh, it's not only get the word out, but giving a prime example, um, my elementary principal said, hey, they're starting to ask on uh, uh, when the board meeting is because they want to come to the board meeting to find out when the mask mandate is going to lift or what we're going to do next year. Well, the governor came out at the end of May, like the 29th. My board meeting was the 1st of June. I haven't had any since then. I've got one on July the 6th. And so quite frankly, my board probably going to say it's up to the child and the parent as far as the mask, because I see that happening in my neighboring districts. That word is getting out uh, from my neighboring districts. So my parents are wanting to know, well, what are you going to do? Well, so my side of it to the principal is call them. Uh, There's probably one or two people. It starts somewhere. So let's call those one or two people that are megaphones out there and let them put the information out. No, I get a call from the elementary principal and and the superintendent why my board is not going to be able to act on it until July the 6th. I'm fine to say I'm going to recommend this. And I'm ready to send that message out so people see that message and understand. Now, depending on what my board may do, it could be different, but this is going to be my recommendation. So, again, communication, I think, is a key, but it's also two-sided and being proactive to try to get that information out sooner rather than later because you don't want things to build. And mm-hmm. so that's that fire is sitting there smoldering. And if you can extinguish it early, then I think you're much better off. Well, what can I say? This is such a valuable uh, panel this afternoon, really tying the bow here to help uh, our school districts, you know, really get there and build that confidence and trust. And uh, 
Uh, Dr. Rawls, thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Hannah, thank you. Uh, Dr. Sullivan and Larry, you know, good friends here on the on this uh, panel here. Really appreciate you. And you can stay on. We're going to kind of close the entire summit uh, as we speak. And uh, Chris, you got, uh, I just want to tell everybody that's online here that we, we had a, a very uh, distinguished uh, uh, task force uh, the last year and a half putting together a guidebook for the return to work play and spectate. So it's available uh, at uh, IIFX.org uh, principles slash guide. So uh, if you're interested, uh, you can at least pull down the executive summary for you and for your school district, very valuable uh, tool uh, for your school district to have. Um, I think Amy, are you on Amy? I thought I saw Amy. Well, if she's not, you know, we have uh, uh our partner in this whole day today was tremendous. It was campus safety. And uh, they have their big conference uh, coming up in July 21st to the 23rd in San Antonio. It uh, tells you that we actually access a priority code there for you, get some money off for registration for you. So that'll be out. That's a live conference now, live, not virtual, live in San Antonio, July 21st to 23rd. I want to thank, obviously, all our uh, sponsors today. They were very, very important. Without them, we don't have this uh, summit. The tremendous number of attendees coming on. We really appreciate you and want to appreciate our staff. And Matt, I know you worked all day and Ben and Chris, myself, but really enjoyed having the opportunity to uh, really, uh, you know, make a difference uh, for our school districts for next year. We call that that new start, the new beginning. Uh, they've, they've learned a lot today to prepare themselves for it. So it's been a wonderful day for, for education today. And for, for those that participated, we thank you again one more time. So listen, um, have the, uh, have the rest of the good day, folks. Thank you. A great panel. Appreciate you. Okay. Bye-bye everybody. Bye. Hello. Bye-bye.